everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Anson. And we are here to talk about all things food, fun, gardening, wormy, everything else. It's just kind of a good day. Um, we did have a couple questions that we wanted to a- uh, answer before we got to our top two. The first one was the 50th. Uh, Mom's 75th birthday. No, the 75th birthday. That was it. A memorable uh, spot with a nice table. But with a nice. With, oh, they were looking, thinking about a chef's table. So I, the one that we were talked about was Bar Brava. And that one is in Northeast Minneapolis uh, or North Minneapolis. Um, I'm not sure that that's a 75th birthday. That's really like natural wines and smaller plates that are snacky. I'm not feeling that necessarily. I love Nicollet Island Inn for that's 75th a great idea. birthday. It that's is so idea. insulated in there because of yeah. the brick. You can hear they've got like a lot of small rooms. Yeah. That are like little library rooms. They have good food there. It is easy parking. Um, I also like uh, Lake and Irving. Yeah. They've got a back patio that if you have like a wheelchair or accessibility issues, it's just, it's really delicious. Okay. And I'm going to give you one that I think is kind of interesting because if you're a 75 year old, like my mom is a 75 year old, then who appreciates like, you know, it's just like, let's go do something new because I've already seen everything. Think about Travail. Think about taking up one of the big tables at Travail and having one of those experiences that sort of reimagines what food can be, right? You could do that at Tenant Kitchen too, because it's small. But I don't think you can. They do they have like tables that will accommodate a larger yeah. group? Yep. Okay. Um, also, I would say Luci Ancora is a family-owned place. Yeah, that's it's very got a sweet. lot of Italian pastas. It's easy to hear. I'm thinking about hearing because my mother-in-law always wants to go someplace where she can hear. Yeah, that's so also a that'd thing. Be another good spot in St. Paul. Um, and then, um, yeah, yeah. So those are all good. Okay, that's a good one. What was the other one? Oh, Vanessa from uh, Cheesecake Funk was wondering. She lives in. You know, she's like looking for hidden gem places to like get out to with her kids, you know, like she's like, I'm a mom and I like, I want to go and like have discovery moments, like in Minneapolis, hidden gems with the kids, patios and fun stuff. These sounds good. Although I don't know about waiting in line with your kids, but they can run around. That's true. And there's like a park right there. There's all kinds of stuff to do there. They have an ice cream stand. It's a great spot to just hang out with your kids. And then I guess I would double up and say, obviously, uh, Sandcastle is a good one on Lake Nokomis. We talked about that last week. That's a good fun one. Um, And I don't know, Vanessa, if you've been to the drive-in in Delano called The Peppermint Twist, but it's lovely and it's a total gas, you know, as far as like... Just it's a, it's a very hot pink and green drive-in. That's a good one. What's the drive-in in Taylor's Falls? That's the not drive-in. That far to drive. It's called the it's Taylor's Falls fun. the drive-in, and that one is so campy and like Super it feels fun. old school. You can like pull up a little stool. You know, there's like little stools right at the counter there. Um, also, I would say you know Dream Creamery, which is the new uh, Trevelyan ice cream shop. That is a great place to take kids, and there's picnic tables, and there's burgers. And like, what about Sammy Wadi's Hot Dog Place? Where is that? I don't that? know if that's open yet. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. But that is, um, but I mean, getting ice cream and a burger from the Yum. Dream Creamery guys is a lot of fun. So there you go. All right. All right, it's time. It's time for top two in hour two. Give me the old one, one, two, one, two. And now, the Weekly Dish presents Top Two, Top Two. The Top Two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two, will you? Okay, it's the time that we talk about two things that we are super loving. Can't get our minds off of. Why don't you go first? All right. Um, I want you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> you have two listed. You have two things listed. I know, 
but All right. I'm okay. going to tell you that. Nope, nope. You already gave it up. Got it. So I'm going to tell you that uh, last night uh, we went to a little place that's not too far from the station called Legendary Spice. And it is um, it is a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant. And it's right over in uh, Stadium Village-ish. And it's newish. It used yeah. to be a pizza place. Um, I don't know. It's in it one of the new buildings. Tower. No, 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 no. It's wrong place. W- it's one of the new buildings okay. that's next to Blaze Pizza. Legendary you know, spice. And okay. it's uh, bubble tea, the uni uni bubble tea. But listen, it is a really cute. The, the only other restaurant they have is in Chengdu in China. Oh, love that. And so this one is, they've got um, great spa, spa spice. Hi. Um, we had a couple. So Matt, you know, the geo boy is going to Alaska for the summer to work. And so we were kind of trying to get some time in with him before he goes. And we decided to get some things that would make his scalp itch because that'll be fun <laughs> so we got some spicy dry chili chicken and we did a little hot pot thing but we there they, we had a hot pot that was not that was just a kind of a big old bowl of stuff and that was delicious to get this mixed combo of like seafood and beef and chicken and then vegetables and they were all tossed in the spicy good Yum. stuff but what i want you guys to go back for and which we didn't have time to do was do an actual hot pot there which is you get a big boiling pot of liquid you know like broth spicy and regular and then you just make your little bowls and you dip things in and it's totally fun yum so that's legendary spice recommending it super great people you know it was fun hot pot is really fun i know okay what's your favorite uh royal craft foundry oh yeah i went there for the first time it's been open for a while yes like years it's a um woman-owned distillery and Lizzie was the bartender, and I did our practice where I said, hey, Lizzie, she had a drink menu, and I was looking at it, and I was like, meh, not really feeling all the old-fashioned-y things. And yeah. So I said, hey, I really like gin, and I like lime, and can you create something for me that's maybe herbaceous? And she goes, well, she kind of looked at me, and she goes, how do you feel about egg whites? I'm like, I feel a lot. I feel great about egg I whites. I feel great. So she's like, oh, I'm going to make you one of my favorite drinks. It was so delicious and it wasn't on the menu and it was so good. And then another woman next to me was like, can I have what she's having? Like, and I said to her, here's how I learned about how you order at a craft cocktail bar. And I told her about the Rob Jones story about how you're supposed to say your spirit, what kind of profile you like. And then I said, and Lizzie, Rob said that if we don't like it, we can tell the person we don't love it. And she said, yes, you can once. What? But if you do it more than once, she said, then I'm going to charge you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Unfair. Yeah. If you, if you can't hit on your signature flavor profile this after one after two attempts. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. That's, then you got to order something off the menu because yeah. you can't be pleased. Nope, nope, that's very true. Good, but good really work. delicious cocktail. Okay. And nice service, too. All right. All right. Uh, so my second one is going to be the patio at St. Paul Brewing because... Um, I finally went there and last year I've it's seen all the pictures and I was like, gosh, I gotta go. And it's just for, it's just like, it's not on my path. It's not even in my neck of the woods, but you guys, when we're talking about private, looking for spaces and looking for tables and things, maybe that's what they should do for there. If they're going to bring kind of like in a ruins, it's, it is in the old, uh, Ham's brewery ruins and it is. You you find your way to St. Paul Brewing and you you like there are these giant red brick factory kind of things and then you it's kind of Willy Wonka esque like you kind of find your way around you go into this parking lot and there's this like the like opening and there's St. Paul Brewing and you walk up you go through the brewery which looks great too and then you get to this patio that is just just charming and it's eclectic and it's sort of magical it reminds me it made me think of the old Loring. 
Yeah, the pasta old bar. boring park, you know. And the um, across the way is the dis- uh, distillery. What is the name? Eleven Wells. Thank you. But I don't think they have any. I'm not sure if they have, like, I don't think they're open to the public. Are they? I don't know. I've had a drink there. Have you? Okay, I wasn't sure if they were or not. Something in me was was wondering okay, that it maybe wasn't. You're right, but I don't but... know. I don't know. But I'm just telling you that what's great about the St. Paul Brewing, you guys, is that they have wood fired pizza also on site. So if you're looking for like, there's so many cute little vignettes to sit in. There's like a canoe that's on fire. There's, you know, little like, there's so many cute little like umbrella covered places and tables and chairs and great beer and wood fired pizza. Okay, 11 Wells is open Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Good. Maybe I was there on the wrong day. Yeah. There it is. Super cute, though. Okay. So those are mine. What's All your right. last one? Um, I just feel like I, I had... We've talked about um, John Wifley, and we've talked about his burgers. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I literally got to go in his truck and learn how to make a smash burger. And the technique and the care and the little tips and tricks that he showed me I just like when I ate that burger, there's something about it that's just so crave-worthy. And he is such a nice person. Yeah. So my daughters work in there too, and she's just having such a blast. We might have to not mention them every week though. Okay. So this will be the last time. And it is Art of World, and they're open tomorrow too. Just go and get a burger. He's a great guy and the burgers are delicious. And People are like, well, what's so great about a smash burger? I don't know. Just those crispy cris- bits. Yeah, because when you take a burger. And the amount of salt. And it's yeah. just all. It's delicious. There's pl- Smashies are it, man. And there's tech. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to grill a big, fat, juicy burger again. I I have different cravings. I mean, like, I love a juicy burger for, for different reasons, you know? And like, Yeah, and maybe I'll get that at a restaurant. But when I'm like, because I could make a smash burger in three minutes. You can't make it on a grill, though. Let's be clear. A griddle or cast iron skillet. Yeah, but you can't. Like, if you have just grill grates, don't try to smash into your grill grates. Because no. you'll lose your burger. But you can put a cast iron skillet on there. For sure. That's what we did. For sure. It was good. All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Larry Farr, who is our master gardener man of the hour. He is. He's going to answer all of our gardening questions from, you know, container gardens to, gosh, what to do about jumping worms. Invasive worms. Good Lord. All right, we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. All right, welcome to Weekly Dish. We're going to have a little gardening talk here today with Larry Farr. Hi, Larry. Are you there? Are you there? Are you there, Larry? Okay. Wah wah. Yep. Does he look like he's on the line there, Steph? Yeah. Should I hit it or no? Okay, Larry. Are you there? No. Larry knows the studio line, so if you're listening, Larry, you can call back in on the studio line. Right. Right. Okay. Um. I feel like poor Larry. This is like the episode with Pete Schwetty, where they're like, "Hello, welcome to Pete Schwetty," and like there's just so silent and they oh. don't say anything. And yeah, this Hi. is excellent radio right now. I know we do have. Should we take Jan since we're sure? Jan's on the line. Well, Jan's got a gardening question. Sure, Jan. Okay, Jan. Let's we'll see. Take that we'll preempt you... it and see if Larry can. We can get Larry after that. Jan, what's your question? Oh, Jan. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. What's your question today? <laughs> I've, I've just got a question about uh, beetles. Does he have any remedy? Uh, uh, lately, the last couple of years, I've just been putting some tool fabric on top of them and just letting them sit there until they disappear, which is pretty pretty late in the season. Um, but is there anything that's, that's organic that he recommends? I'm also, This year, I'm going to try some cedar chips 
So they say they might keep them away too, but anything else? This okay. Is, this is for the Asian beetles you're saying? No, Japanese beetles. They're the- those pretty little beetles that are green and copper colored. Oh yeah, those are pretty. Here's the and answer. They, and they just, they just destroy everything. My raspberries, my grapes. Everything. Yeah, they're terrible. Uh, you're not going to love my answer, but here's it is. You get your gloves on, you go out with the first dew in the morning, and you literally pick them off. I've done you, that, too. And I've you drown them in soapy water. Kind of stuff, but they still, I mean, they still destroy them with that. All right. So far, so far, the best thing I've had luck with is that uh, is the tool fabric on top of it. All right, Jen, it's why like, don't we hang up and let you listen, and then we'll see if Larry has, a, has another answer for you, yep. too. Perfect. Thanks, Jan. Bye. Okay. All right. Larry, are you there? Hi, Larry. Hello. How are you? (laughs) We're here, and we've already got a question for you, Larry. All right. We have a lady who is dealing with those uh, beetles. The Japanese beetles. Oh. Uh, You know what? My best advice, pick them off. Um, They... The U of M does not recommend using the Japanese beetle traps because it, they say it attracts more it beetles attracts into them. your area. Yeah. I, yeah. Believe, I believe the beetles are already in your neighborhood. Put the traps up far away from your desirable plants and trap as many as you can. We need to trap and get rid of as many so they don't lay eggs, which will be next year's beetles. So um, picking them off, throwing them in soapy water. Um, depending on the plants, you can put a netting over it. That's what you're um, doing. And I, I do recommend that I use the trap. When I lived in the city, I used the traps. Um, since I moved back to the farm, I'm lucky I don't have Japanese beetles. Oh, nice. So far, knock, knock on wood, um, I don't have them. So, Larry, we're kind of in this season where people are starting to get ready, excited about planting, and yet it's been so cold what it like can we be planting this weekend is it too cold i'm going to recommend that you go visit your garden center you go get all your plants but you keep them in your garage during the night um don't plant them yet um you can put them out during the day into the sun but bring them in um not only are air temperatures cold but i checked this morning and our soil temperatures are still about 60 degrees and for tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and cucumbers and all those veggies they want soil temps of like 65 to 70 degrees um it's just it's just a really really slow start to the season will things catch up um yes they will um i go way back to um when I grew up, so I'm living on the farm that I grew up on. We never planted any of those things I mentioned until Memorial Weekend. And I yeah. think as time has gone on, we have started planting earlier and earlier and earlier. And going way back when I was really young, I did uh, a couple of years of 4-H experiments where I planted tomatoes the first week of May, the second week, third week, fourth week, and then the first week of June. The ones planted the last week of May and the first week of June always outperformed the early planting ones. So, yes, things will catch up. We just need to be patient. Be patient. I love this. Okay, I, we have a, I did put a question onto the Facebook page. So we have a couple people who have weighed in, so I'm just going to throw some your way. We're with Get Growing with Larry right. Farr. Are you ready? Okay, the first yeah. one, Amanda Pa, this is, I'm feeling this one. She says, the terrible hailstorm that snapped off some of the pepper and tomato plants. Are those able to survive or are they gone? Um, if the tomatoes still have, like, 
at least a few inches on it or a couple inches on it, it will send up some side uh, growth on it. I mean, you, in essence, it kind of pinched the plants for you. Okay. Um, pepper plants, I would will do the same thing. Um, they don't branch out quite as much. I would probably replant the peppers. Um, give your tomatoes some time, but make sure you fertilize them. Um, the combination of hail and now cold weather is definitely not going to help those plants out very much. And if you have other plants that like hostas and stuff like that, that got hail damage, you can cut those back right now. The key is to make sure you give them a good fertilizing so that they get a boost of energy to help them recover. Okay. Oh, so you can, do you cut them down to the ground or just cut off the crappy leaves that got ruined? Um, you can either cut them all the way to the ground or just the crappy leaves, <laughs> your word, good <laughs> word for it. But um, you can do that at this time of year because they will send up new growth. Now, if it were July or late June, I would tell you just to remove the few damaged leaves. Don't cut them back um, later in the season if we get another hail or if you get hail. Okay. Um, but you can do it this early in the season. And shrubs, if you've got broken branches, of course, cut all of those off. Um, uh, lettuce and stuff like that, if you had that planted and you've got holes in the leaves, that you just cut that off and that will grow back. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I have some shiso leaves that got damaged. Um, Okay, Sarah wants to know, she has a 20-year-old grapevine with large roots, and she's trying to kill it. Is there any tips to doing this safely without damaging a nearby tree? Uh, the best thing you can do is uh, dig it out. Um, there are products that where you can cut it back and you apply it to the, I can't think of the name of it, um, but it's uh, you can use it to kill some shrubs and um Stuff like that, but there are products that you can brush on it. Um, I really don't like using them. Yeah, I would highly recommend just digging them out. Just dig um, as, as much many as, you roots can. as possible. Yep, yep. Dig as much out. Um, even if you don't get it totally dug out, if you dig down a ways and then cut it off, you know, several inches down, that should take care of it as well. All right, Larry, hold on the line. We're going to do another segment with you and get all these questions answered. We are with Get Growing with Larry Farr. We'll be right back with more gardening talk. All right, we are with our friend Larry Farr. He gets growing with Larry Farr, which is on KSTP TV Thursday nights at 5 and 6.30. You can also find him on Instagram and Facebook. Larry, I, I know we started off just pelting you with questions, but we have so many. Is it okay to keep going with that? Hey, let's keep going. I just want to touch on Jonathan Newhouse's forecast where they said 39 tonight. Keep in mind, it does not have to get to freezing to cause damage to plants. So you really want to take steps to cover them either with a bed sheet or empty buckets or something like that to trap the heat in. So, um, you know, we are unseasonably cool, so we want to take steps to protect those tomatoes, peppers, and even all of those um, annual plants and tropical plants that you may have right now. All right. Do you think we should cover them tonight? You, what was that? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yes, you should cover okay, them. You no, should go cover ahead. Them. I just, yeah, we should be covering them tonight and probably tomorrow night. Okay. Um, all right. Here's here's a good question um, about. Um, oh, I just lost it. Okay. There's a couple questions about squirrels and digging up bulbs and hitting up, you know, basil plants and digging things. Is there anything to do to to you know stop squirrels? Well, there's the various sprays that you can use, but you don't want to spray that on your edible plants. Um, make sure you have, they're often looking for a water source, so like a bird bath or a fountain oh. or something like that. That will keep them busy. Um, but the best thing is, is just some kind of wire uh, over your plants. Once we get further into the summer, they tend to not bother 
planters and stuff as much as they do right now. Um, if the squirrels, like in the fall when you're planting daffodils and stuff like that and they're digging them up, you just lay some chicken wire over it. When the ground freezes, you take chicken wire up, and that will stop them from uh, digging it up. The other problem a lot of people have is rabbits, um, and that the um, the products that uh, – the deer scram and all those other products that are out there work really well. I do. I have that coyote urine spray, whatever that is. It's natural. It stinks to high yeah. heaven, but gosh, it works. It kept. My, um, it re- yeah, my deers. The, use, the deer get, used to eat all my hostas and all my uh, hydrangeas, and now and then they don't now. Yeah, you just have to get past the smell, but that works. That's a fantastic product. Yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. All right, Tammy wants to know is when planting new perennials, or I guess any plant, she said, should I be breaking up the root mass? She's watching landscapers on HGTV who just seem to stick it straight in the hole from the container. Um, yeah, you should always, whether it's uh, annuals, perennial shrubs, um, any of that, you should always take your fingers and break up. The root mass a little bit. You don't have to do it a lot. You yeah. can even just do it just with your a pruners bit. a little bit. Breaking that up will cause those roots to quit growing in a circle or a square, whatever size kind of pot they were in, and it will start them to grow outwards. So, yes, you always want to do that with anything you take out of a container, including houseplants. Right, right. Okay. Sure. Now, here's, a, here's one from Teresa. She wants to know, are aphids good or bad? Um, aphids will... Um, Aphids will often in the garden will take care of themselves. Like there's beneficial insects that will go off of it that will eat the aphids. But often with aphids, just take a garden hose of a spray head and you can wash aphids off the plants. Um, I never treat for aphids. Um, there's a lot of beneficial insects that will eat aphids. Um, a lot of times in na- nature will take care of itself, but we let it. We often reach for the um, insecticides way too quick. Um, uh, sometimes we need it, but most often we don't. We we get alarmed way too often okay. uh, when we see insects in our garden. I know. Which leads me, Larry, to the Ugh. jumping worms. We have to talk about the worms, kids. I have the um, jumping worms in my yard. I have now discovered them in my garden in Ely. What do we do? As as far as I know, the last I've, I've listened to several podcasts, there's really nothing at this time that we can do. Um, they're looking at a lot of different things, but as, um, as far as I know, there's nothing you can do. Um, raking back the debris or the, the um, leaf matter and stuff will help. But to the best of my knowledge, there's nothing concrete that we can do about this at this point. Okay. Okay. Well, I wish I had better news. It's I okay. Know. I kind of knew the answer, but I was so disappointed when I found them in my vegetable garden. I was just like, no. I know. I know. And that's a lot of people, you know, I think that we just have to, you have to look at, watch some YouTube videos. Hanson just made me watch a bunch that so you can identify them and that so you have a feeling about what that looks like. And so, you know, it's just kind of that whole thing. And it's not going to stop it. But one thing you don't want to do, I mean, buy plants from a reputable garden center. I would not be taking, if a neighbor says, do you want some of my XYZ perennial plant? I would not take it because that's what could bring it into your, your yard. So I, uh, most of the plant sales going on, they're, they're growing, they're washing the roots off, and then they're planting it in a um, potting soil or something like that. But I would not take plants from anyone right now and plant them in and my yard. That's plants. how they're getting spread. Yeah. yeah, like I can't share plants with my daughter because I know I'm just giving her worms yeah, in her just yard. Please so. don't. Please don't. Yeah. Right? 
Um, hey, we have Natalie on the line. Natalie has a question, I think, about white rot. Right, Natalie? Yes. Go ahead and ask it. Yeah. We have some bushes and a tree that are um, developing white rot. Is there anything you can do about that? Thanks, Natalie. Thanks, Um, Natalie. And I I guess I'm more curious, if if she's still there, what the symptoms are and what, when she's saying white rot, what specifically is she... We left her off the line, actually. <laughs> um, well, without knowing more, um, it potentially could be an overwatering problem because if it's affecting trees and shrubs, um, it's, a lot of diseases don't affect both. So I'm suspecting it's possibly overwatering. Oh, yeah. um, so if they have an ir- irrigation system or something like that, they might want to check that okay. um, and water less because a lot of diseases will affect one plant one type of plant, but they don't affect the next one, the one next to it. So if it's a systemic problem, there's probably something going on in the soil, which would most likely be overwatering. Yeah, yeah. Larry, if you grow tomatoes in pots, like Steph's going to do container gardening this year, do you have to do okay. something different in a container with a tomato than you would in a garden? Um, what you want to do, the, the you need full sun, just like you would in the garden. That's eight or more hours of sunlight. And you want big containers. Yeah. I say 14 or 16 inches across. Um, think about, you want almost as much soil as two five-gallon buckets worth. Um, and then you want to look, look for words on anything you want to grow in a container. Look for words like compact, um, dwarf, patio, miniature, bush. Those are all designed better for containers. Um, and on the tomatoes, you want to look for determinant tomatoes. So you have indeterminate and determinant. Indeterminant just keep growing, growing, growing until we get some frost and they die back. Determinant grow to a certain height and they stop growing. So they'll stay generally there three feet or less. So you'll want to look for those determinant tomatoes. You'll plant them a little bit deeper than they were in the original container. All those things you would do in the garden. But you want to look for those more compact varieties. That's great intel. I had never heard of the determinant factor, so that's super for me. And most of your determinant, your Roma tomatoes, your sauce tomatoes, most, not all, but most of them are determinant where they go to a certain height, they bloom, they set all their fruit, and they tend to ripen very close to each other about the same time. And that's so great for canning and all that because you want as much fruit as possible. So um, there's lots of different um, cherry tomatoes can be determinant, but most of the sauce and Roma tomatoes are all determinant tomatoes. I didn't know that either, Larry. You're the best. That's awesome. Okay, what about like herbs? Anything special to know about putting herbs in pots? Um, you know, if you're going to grow herbs in pots, um, those you see those often see those little trio containers, three little pots and yep. a little saucer. Yeah. And avoid those altogether. They they just don't hold enough soil. So I recommend you go with a six-inch container, six inches across, or eight-inch across is even better um, for a single uh, herb plant. I really recommend if you can put them outside, they can take less sun than vegetables. They can get by with four to five hours of light. But I found most of the herbs do really good if I give them morning light until like one or two in the afternoon and avoid that heat of the day. Yes. Um, and I've also yeah. found that they do better in terracotta pots. So non-glazed 
good old-fashioned terracotta pots is what I use for all my herbs, and they tend to do the best. Um, The other thing you can do is um, mix them. If you've got um, full sun, partial sun planters you're doing, parsley, sage, oregano look fantastic when mixed with your annual flowers. In fact, some of the most talked about planters I've ever done had lots of herbs and no blooming plants, so it was all foliages and colors and textures. So don't think you've got to just keep the herbs by themselves. Mix it in with your other plants. Cool. We've got one more call. If we can do this fast, Mary, are you there? You have a question about a tree? Yes. Yes. Hi. Quick, Mary. Yeah, we're almost out of time, so give us a quick. Okay. I bought a new tree. They planted it. The company came out and planted it last year. It's a maple, and all of the leaves right now are curled. Somebody came out to look at yard work, and they said that it's suffering stress. Do I need to, like, dig it out or something? And they thought maybe the roots were strangling itself. Larry, what do you think? Um, It would be surprising that it's strangling itself in the first year. I would get hold of the company that planted it to see if it's guaranteed. They may come out, dig it up, do some things, or they just might replace the tree. Um, It could be because of the cold weather and the frost as well. Okay. All right. Yeah, All right. I mean, Thanks, Mary. And I, they professionally planted it. So yeah, they should guarantee that. Right, now, right. Thank uh, you very much. Thanks, Mary. Thank you, Larry. We may have to have you Let's back see. again, Larry, because you've got so you've much got knowledge. So People much knowledge. can find you at Gut Growing uh, with Larry Farr, P-F-A-R. And Larry, we can watch you on Thursday nights at 5 and 630 on KSTP Channel 5. Yeah, follow me on social media. I just spent all sorts of tips and advice there. And, uh, yes, let's do this again real soon. Okay. okay we'll thanks, see you Larry. soon, Larry. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Weekly Dish presented by our friends at Hornitos. Make sure you get their canned cocktails. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for participating, you guys, in all fun. of that great gardening talk. And if we didn't get to your question... You know, I did put up, we put up his, uh, Larry's Facebook page and his Instagram. If you have questions you want to ask him, you know, send it to him and he's just happy to engage. So, um, it's lovely. I mean, I think it's all fun and great to really get into the gardening this year and it's tough. This is a tough year for it, but I think it's good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, let's get on it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, as Elizabeth Reese, Reese always says, it's like all of a sudden in the middle of the summer, you're like, wait, free food. You know, yes, even though it's it does feel like definitely that. not free as uh, as one knows, you know. Um, so, OK, so now we're at the we're kind of wrapping it up for the end of the show. Um, I just want to we just kind of want to go over some of the fun things that are happening, you know, in town and around town and all the things. And uh, just, yeah, remember, if you are going to plant things this weekend, maybe don't. I was planning on <laughs> doing all don't. my gardens, and now you're thinking I'm just going to put them all in the garage. Why not? I mean, like, if you, and also think about just, it's not, you're not saving anything. Like, you think about it, you're doing it because you're like, you need to, you need to, you don't need to. That's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. You have time. Yes. I and do you're going to have, have a, maybe a better yield if you do take the time. Yep. I'm just thinking. Um, Also, I learned a tip for planting tomatoes that I think is worth sharing. Okay. Okay. So you buy your plant or you have your plant. Yeah. You take off like the, when you buy it, there's a lot of leafy green. Yeah. You take off kind of the bottom uh, couple of leaves of layers of leaves. Yes. Then you either pot it straight up, up to where you've taken off those leaves because you want more stem in the ground. So that stem will create roots. Yes. Or you build a trench. 
and you lay your plant down. So you've taken those bottom leaves off. You lay it down horizontal. And then like that little bushy head is kind of just sticking up. What that does is that whole stem being in the trench is going to have roots all the way along it, which will feed it and give you better tomatoes. And the part that's kind of laying on its side, this green part that sticks out of the dirt, yeah. that will right itself. Okay. That's interesting. That's so you stuff. trench them. Okay. Trenching is good. That's how they, that's how they preserved grapevines yes. in the north. Like that's how we can grow grapes here is if they bury their vines. Yeah. Actually, before the cold hardy grapes came. Trench them. Um, hey, we got a little note from CJ who asks, uh, she just says, when you say information that you say is now posted to the board, she's like, where is that? And I thought it was a good moment to explain that we uh, put everything on uh, the Weekly Dish Facebook page, which is Weekly Dish MN. You can find that. And we try to put everything up there first. We do also have on the My Talk, you know, our producer Rachel posts things on the uh, the My Talk board for when we show do that links. Too. Yeah, the show links. So there's that. The three day reset is on our Facebook page right now. And if you can't find it, just say, hey, I'm not on Facebook and we'll try to send you the link. Yep. And we do check the Twitter account. We have Weekly Dish. We check our Weekly Dish Instagram, our Facebook Mm-hmm. And Steph and I are very available if you can find us on socials to send us messages and we'll get you what you need. Yeah, usually it takes me a little time. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Because the only because Sunday, well, Sunday's kind of the day of rest. Like, do you try not to look at yeah. your stuff on Sunday? Yeah. And I mean, literally, it's like we work, you know, Saturday and then a full I have a full five day a week job Friday. and yep, then I so. work Saturdays and then I try on Sundays to just sort of respect my family that they may need me respect my brain that I do Sunday need. is my day of rest kind right. of too so sometimes it takes us and I know a lot of you guys listen on Sunday mornings because that's your time to listen yep. to the show um, and usually we try to get to stuff on Monday mornings usually so just to kind of keep aware of that that's lovely um, okay so you know whirling like like I said there's a lot of stuff going on um, there is a morale fest tomorrow that we should talk about, and that's sure. at Lakes and Legends, and it's at Lakes and Legends Brewery, and it is the Gentleman Forager, and uh, it's free to attend, which is really great. If you want to go, and uh, you know Mike Kempinich, uh, Kempinich is um, you know kind of our mushroom savant locally, and he is going to be there. And there's not only are they going to do like you can um, eat like prepared dishes that have morels in them and buy those. And you can have uh, all sorts of fun stuff. There's a morel costume contest. They are going to have a morel buying station. Oh, nice. So they have foragers who will be there with their morels if you want to buy. And I did see some at the farmer's market last weekend. A little box was 25 bucks. Wow. Okay. But I mean, it was like, I don't know. It depends again. Like, how do you feel about, like, is that your version of a good steak? Yeah, You're definitely going to pay more it. than that Absolutely. for a steak. So I don't know. I mean, I might be up for it. It depends if you're if that's your thing. Like I'm yeah. not going to go out and forage them, so I'm going to buy them. Yeah, and I know a lot of people have said that but the I'm ramps. I'm not putting them in my instant pot. I will tell you that. Yeah, you guys just <laughs> Too treat much them cooking. with lovely, gentle care. That's a lot of high pressure heat on a morel that doesn't need it. I think just a little bit of butter and a little bit of heat. That's all you need. A little saute sitch. Oh my god, with some shallots too, mm-hmm. and some maybe a little lemon thyme on the side. I did plant lemon thyme. I'm so excited. Oh, I did too, because I thought of you. I love, I found it at, uh, when I was at Untights, and I found it, and I was like, oh my God, I am so ready for lemon thyme. I planted it for you too, so we've got a bunch. So great. Um, What else is going on this weekend? Um, uh, Just shout out to what's coming. Cachon's Heritage Fire is coming. Now, Cachon, you know, we used to do the 555, which is five chefs competing with five hogs. They've kind of switched it up now. This is the Heritage Fire 
party. Now, and and some people remember that they had been doing Heritage Fire out in like Colorado and everything else. It was this huge live open, live fire, like open action stuff. Just to be clear, some of the pictures on the websites are from those. Ours is not going to be that. <laughs> Ours is going to be an indoor thing. It's at Lowe's. Um, they're doing kind of sampling. It's like a big sample fest, but mm-hmm. there's great chefs involved. You know, we have Gustavo Romero from Nixta, Jametta Raspberry from House of Gristle is going to be there. Um, caught some new kids like uh, Wang Vang from Firebox Deli, which is a great place. Uh, Mateo Macby, our friend from Crew Restaurant. We've got uh, Michael Shaughnessy from Ad Vellum, Pedro Walcott from the Wakaya Bistro, which, by the way, I sneak peeked. The other day, and I think it might be open today. Oh, just nice. a little little hint for some of y'all who are out there that you may want to like look at their socials this afternoon. I don't know, hundred percent. But Beth Dooley's also going to be there at the Heritage Fire. Okay, so it's going to be fun. I don't know. It's good. It's on June twelfth, and here's the deal: you want to buy tickets, you can either do it's like a low cost. Um, of I think uh, ninety nine bucks, high cost of one fifty for a VIP, which is gets you access early if you don't like crowds, and it's all you can eat and drink. So that's fun. That's, that's a, thing. a jam. That's a thing. We've had a good time there. Yeah, we have, and I haven't gone in the last couple of years just because of varying scheduling things or whatever. And this is not the competition. This is a little bit more chill. I don't know. This could be fun. I wish it was outside. I'll be honest with you. Right. <laughs> I wish it they had like gotten a part of a park and just done this. But I get it. I get it. Um, all right. So what other things I want to let you guys know, make sure that you understand. Um, if you are heading out and about for Art of World today, letting you know that the cute little crepe and spoon in Northeast by Grumpy's and High High is open. All right. For the season. And they have uh, vegan ice cream and they have a great little ice cream sandwich. That situation that I think is fun. I like I, ice cream sandwiches. I know. Are you making any ice cream sandwiches? Are you, you know, making any ice cream? Um, it's a complicated question. Okay. I have probably haven't even told you this. I'm did like I, a journalist. I've, I'm digging it out of you. Well, did I tell you, and I think I might've told you this, but did you know that your napkin custard is in the cookbook? Yes, you did tell me that. <laughs> we call so, it napkin custard. <laughs> Stephanie March's napkin custard. Yep, my napkin recipe. Ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you originally wrote it on a napkin. And then at some point later on, you wrote it on a piece of... Tear like, paper. Yes. Like and a receipt. That, the picture of that is in the book. Yeah. Your actual handwriting. I tend to and... do that. Oh, it is. The picture <laughs> of it is in there. Yeah. That's I made funny. The, I'm like, you need to have a picture in here. <sighs> yeah. I haven't made any yet this year. I haven't been, I haven't made any in a while. I haven't been really like inspired, but I'm thinking about, all right, here's the thing. This is going to be a weird thing. I might make you have some, um, the mochi donuts that opened in dinky town, uh-huh. which is like everybody's, they, we took some photos of them. They sent some along. There's a black sesame mochi donut. It's my jam. Like, you know I love black sesame? Yep. I'm going to try to make some black sesame ice cream. Please do. And we'll see how that goes. I love black licorice, so I know. why not? But the sesame brings the nuttiness. The toasty, it's not, it's like not it. anise at yeah, all. Yeah, but I'll like it. I know. Well, we'll see. I think. It might, it might not work. <laughs> we'll see. All I right, love you your guys. experiments. Thanks for hanging out today. Go out and have a great one. Yeah. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.